Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Hey, welcome to Epicos Church. My name is Dave. I'm one of your pastors, a member of the teaching team. I'm excited. We're continuing on in our technical, Technicolor series. If you uh, brought your study guide, I encourage you to turn that, pull that out, and we'll turn to the, to the front of there. There's some charts we're going to look at. Um, I say continuing on, but really we're wrapping up. After this week, we've got two weeks left, and it has been a journey in Genesis, right? Uh, and I'm excited that, that we're coming to the end, looking at what's happening, and also excited about what God has Next, there are many exciting things that God is doing here at Epicos. I want to highlight one of them before we jump in because it's significant. We have been preparing, planning, praying for the opening of our Mayfair Road campus. As you may or may not know, we are a multi-site or a multi-location church, which means we're one church in multiple locations around the greater Milwaukee area. We started in a location on the east side. We, we opened up this West Dallas campus in 2012. In 2016, we opened what is now our Sherman Park campus. And, and that campus just moved into a permanent home uh, just recently. But we are getting ready. Uh, we know that this is coming, but here we are getting ready for the grand opening, which now with construction timelines and everything we know is set. Are you ready? March 21st. Yes, we can clap. You can clap for that. But here's what I would ask is that we don't just get excited about, hey, the building is done or constructions or details or, or all the work that the launch team has put in. I would ask that you would join me, that we would come together for the whole month of February in prayer. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, and we cannot build his church without his hand of blessing, without his power, without him going before us. And so we prepared a prayer guide 30 days, the whole month of February. Uh, we're going to be praying through this together as a church. So for example, the first day, uh, there's a verse, there's a theme, and the prayer focus is pray that the words that are sung, the sermons that are preached, and the fellowship that will be had glorifies God. Isn't that our hope? Isn't that our prayer? That's my prayer uh, for this sermon as well. And so as we jump in, I'm just going to pray towards that end. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would be glorified that you would be glorified in this moment, that we would glorify you in the way that we listen to your word. Lord, that I would glorify you with the words that that you have instructed me to preach, that these would be your words, not my words. And Lord, we lift up the launch of this new location, that you would continue to bring together in unity those people who have volunteered for the launch team, that as they work and they serve that you would give them wisdom and guidance and power, that you would go before us in the community, that we might be your hands and feet, that you might pour out your blessing through us as your church. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Lord, today we pray as we look to your word, we praise this psalmist, pray, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. In the name and power of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, most of you do not know, but I got sick with COVID-19 at the very end of December, and I was down for the count for almost three weeks. Um, I did not have problems breathing. My lips never turned blue. I never had to go to the hospital, Um, but I had all all the other symptoms. I still can't smell, um, and uh, you know, I still have a little bit of that uh, COVID fogginess from from time to time if if you've gone through it. 
But what's interesting is that God used that almost three weeks of illness to draw me closer to himself, to reveal some issues in my life, to make me depend in a way that I have not depended on him for a long time. And I'm reminded of the words of a, of a preacher who's now passed away on to be with the Lord, who said, you can learn more from a sick bed than you can from a sermon sometimes. And it's true. Uh, I'm not saying that you all go out and get sick and don't listen to the sermon. I, I'm just sharing that, that God did something profound in my life. And I, as I got back to 100%, I realized that I was filled with a profound sense of gratitude that even the small things, right? I had been, been uh, sick and sleeping for so long that even the small things in life became these tremendous joys. And, and I still have this profound sense of gratitude for, for the blessings that God has given, both in Christ Jesus and just in a practical way. And I share that because our whole passage that we're looking at today is all about blessing. It's about the blessing, the primary blessing of God and, and the, the other blessings that God gives in a variety of different ways. Um, and I'm excited. So turn to Genesis chapter 49. We are gonna be picking it up in, in verse 13 and going all the way through the end of the chapter. Uh, Pastor Ed last week preached the first part of chapter 49, which included uh, a number of prophecies for the first four sons of Jacob, including the primary prophecy of this poetic uh, prophecy passage, which is the, the prophecy about Judah, right? That the scepter, the ruling power would not depart from Judah until it came to the one to whom it belonged, which is ultimately Jesus Christ. And we, we saw a fantastic picture of how God uh, was preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah. Now, I understand that as soon as I say prophetic poetry, some of you are extremely excited. Biblical poetry, Pastor Dave, I can't wait. And for those three of you, I really appreciate your enthusiasm. For the rest of us, we might, as I'm prone to do, when I come to these indented passages in scripture, it's like, ah, oh, someone's singing a song. I'm just gonna move on. I just wanna remind us, these are important things and I want us to change our thinking. Um, when I grew up, uh, the mail had no significance for me. I never had anything important delivered. Uh, and unless it was my birthday and I was expecting a card from my grandmother, the mail was not important. My children, though, they love the mail. They can't wait for the mail. And specifically, they love when the Amazon delivery guy shows up. Why? Because he brings blessings, that's what he does. Everything he brings is good. It's, this is where you get the good things. I used to have to go out to a thing called a mall and go to KB toy stores to get toys. Now they just deliver them right to your doorstep. And so when the Amazon truck pulls up, my kids are, you know, jumping, causing a commotion. And it's with that same excitement. I know that's a lot to ask, but with that same excitement, I want us to realize that coming to this section is not something that we should gloss over. It's something that we should come with excitement because actually the author of the Pentateuch, Moses, these first five books of the Bible, intentionally structured the entire experience of these first five books around some of these passages, some of these prophetic, poetic passages. So I just want you to say, just like my kids say when the Amazon shows up, truck shows up, it's here, it's here. Here we are, verse uh, 13. Let me start just kind of to structure our time. First of all, let me say that this poem is prophecy. 
This poem is prophecy. Let me read it to you. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall be at Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad, but, they, but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's food shall be rich and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring and his branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast and the womb, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who is set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. Then we turn into the account of Jacob's actual passing. We'll look at that in a moment. If you brought your study guide with you, I'd encourage you to turn to the front. We'll also have it on the screen. And there's some charts of the life of Jacob and Joseph. And I'd just like to turn your attention because the author is structuring this right along the, the same kind of uh, way that it, it's by Jacob's wives. It's not necessarily by birth order. So if you look, you have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. We covered that last week. And then we jump right to Zebulun and Issachar. Those are all the sons of Leah. And then we move through Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, and then finally end with Joseph and Benjamin. You can take notes on this kind of right next to these tribes or make some things or just kind of copy those over into your other note-taking section. But at the, at the beginning of this, we looked at this last week, Pastor Ed showed us, verse one says, then Jacob called his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. And this phrase, the days to come, remind us that it's, it's not just the individuals that are being discussed, and it's not just the audience that Moses was writing to, which would have been the people of God entering the promised land and settling into the promised land. It was indeed much further reaching what theologians would call eschatological or towards the end of days. And this phrase has kind of that echo to it. And so it's kind of this, this picture that it's gonna carry on and continue on, just like we saw last week with the prophecies about the Messiah coming from the tribe of Judah. The same phrase is found in these poetic prophetic sections in Numbers 24 and Deuteronomy 31. I, I point out that this is a, simply, that this poem is prophetic and just pause for a moment and, and point out that the Bible is a forward looking book. It isn't oriented towards the past, although it recounts the past and it tells us history. It is a primarily forward oriented book looking book. Not only is the Bible oriented towards the future in miraculous, 
artful and amazing ways. It makes overly clear that the future God is leading us towards is blessed. It's good. What God has in store for us is good. Let's work our way just through some of this. Uh, The language of poetry is sometimes difficult and the language of prophecy is equally difficult. And when you combine the two, you can end up with some challenging verses to interpret. In verse 13, you have Zebulun talking about uh, the borders being expanded. He shall dwell, or uh, Zebulun shall dwell by the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships. But if you look at the land actually allotted to the tribe, it doesn't border the sea. And so the picture being created here is that the, the territory given is going to expand. And in fact, this speaks not just to this one tribe, but to the whole promised land, right? The land is part of that promise given to Abraham. We'll see that kind of in the, in the passage with Jacob here in a minute. But the idea is that the borders will expand, that the promised land as a blessing will continue to expand and grow. Uh, verse 14, Issachar. Um, it says, he saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. Now, we don't have time to dig into all this, but in the original language, there's all sorts of word plays, right? So there's words that sound like the names of the sons and things like that. Um, but he saw that the resting place was good and it's the same kind of phrase that we see from the Garden of Eden. Again, kind of reminding us of the original Garden of Eden and kind of uh, the hint of that promise being realized in the promised land. Dan shall judge his people. His name sounds like the word for judge, Um, Dan shall be a serpent in the way. That doesn't sound like a blessing, right? You're calling me a snake. But really it's this idea of of attacking a powerful horseman in battle. And And it picks up the theme that we see very clearly in the prophecy about Judah, that the people of God will triumph over their enemies. In fact, uh, here we see that they're gonna try triumph over the horsemen, which of course is part of the Exodus account. Um, raiders shall raid Gad. It sounds like raiding, but, they, but he shall raid at their heels. Again, this victory. Asher's food shall be rich and he shall yield royal delicacies. Again, it's just this wonderful blessing. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. We're gonna come back to Joseph's section in a minute. And then it ends with Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. Again, you go, is that good? But it's really similar to what we saw last week in that Judah is a lion's cub, right? It's this victory over the enemies of God. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning, devouring the prey and at evening, dividing the spoil. So this poem is prophetic. It's talking about the future, but it's also blessing. And if you're kind of a note taker, that's kind of the second thing that I wanna highlight is that this poem is blessing. And sometimes blessing is just kind of one of those things, maybe you grew up in the South and, and people in the South use blessing all the time and it can mean different things. You know, when people say like, oh, bless her heart, that's not a good thing, right? Like they're, they're kind of insulting someone. But blessing in the Bible is always good. And you've been blessed numerous times, whether you even realize it or not. In fact, at the end of every Epicos service, typically someone uh, will come out and read a passage of scripture and declare it as a blessing over us. And that's sometimes called a benediction or whatever, but it's just a blessing. Uh, I remember one of the first times that I can remember being blessed in a significant way. Uh, I was about 23, it was my third year of full-time ministry and our church had invited one of my favorite authors to speak 
And I had the opportunity to be his chauffeur while he was in town. Let me tell you, my car has never been so clean, right? And uh, I, I picked him up from the airport and he was gracious enough to have some conversations with me as I, I chauffeured him around. And there was this moment where, where as we got to know each other, um, he just kind of began to speak a, a word of blessing over me. And he said, David, if you knew how the Lord was going to use you, and then he kind of encouraged me and shared some of that. And, and I'm sure to him, it was just something in passing, some encouraging words he was saying to a young man who was driving him around. But God used that blessing to speak into my future and open my eyes to how God might use me. I think in the same way, there's this power in the blessing that we see all throughout this passage, but specifically in this part about Joseph. It says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, bow, excuse me. Uh, kind of this, this picture and it's climbing over this wall. And the idea is that it's so fruitful, this, this vine or this fruit tree or whatever it is, is so fruitful that just people passing by can enjoy the abundance of fruit. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. He's conquering over his enemies, right? His arms were made agile. And then it goes into this part about the names of God. And they're so, they're so rich. And some of the names of God that we see echoed throughout the rest of scripture come from right here. By the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, the God of Jacob, right? And from there is the shepherd, right? We see that picked up in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And then we see it uh, in the book of John where Jesus teaches that he is the good shepherd. The stone of Israel, right? Jesus taught he was the stone that the builders rejected. And by the God of your father who will help you, by the almighty, the El shall die, right? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago, the importance of that name of God. And then it continues on, who will bless you with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches. And he just kind of goes on with all of these different blessings. And I, and I think it's just this, this interesting thing. Now, I also want to take a side note that this is the prophecy of Joseph, but part of the blessing that God actually gave to Joseph is taken and given to Judah. It's in Judah's passage that it says, your father's sons will come and bow down to you. Now that was originally to Joseph himself, right? And we saw that happen throughout uh, the end of his life as we see him rise to, to preeminence and, and have the saving role. Um, but it's not given to Joseph. It's actually given to Judah. And it's part of that uh, promise of the scepter and the fact that kings will come from Judah. Now, I just want you to think in terms of how this blessing grew. And as we looked at last week, ultimately grew into the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? The scepter shall not depart, this ruling staff shall not depart from Judah until it comes to the one to whom it belongs, which is ultimately Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to point out that, that this blessing, this blessing is not just a blessing, it is the blessing. In fact, when you think about the promise to Abraham at the beginning of this whole journey, it's not just a blessing, it's the blessing. Because it connects all the way through as we continually point forward and we point to the work and the person of Jesus Christ. Because we call it the gospel, but it's 
the blessing. It's the same promised plan of God that has been working throughout. And it is not just a blessing in scripture. It is the blessing in scripture. And it's this beautiful picture that it builds and it grows and more prophecy and more words of blessing get spoken into this. And it continues to expand beyond just ethnic Israel to all the people on the face of the earth and all that all the nations can be blessed in Jesus Christ. That same blessing does not just stop at Jesus. It continues up to this very moment. And I just wanna connect those dots. Ephesians chapter one is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And I won't read it all, but I'm gonna read a chunk of it. And I'm gonna start in verse six. And I wanna, if you can just track with me and hear how Paul is connecting the blessing to the very moment that we're in right now. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That's Jesus. In him, in Jesus We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Paul here is summarizing the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again, conquering death and sin, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with a promised Holy Spirit, yet another key blessing who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Jump down to verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. More words of blessing. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? All blessing that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And here's the key. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This line about he puts, he's the, he's put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. It's the ultimate victory of conquering over enemies that we see even foretold in our passage of blessing. And I don't want you to miss this end part. He's given his head to the church and that we are his body. That the blessing of God, not just a blessing, the blessing of God, the promised plan that we saw work through Abraham. And, and then he was in faith waiting for his son of promise, Isaac. And then, then on to Jacob and Esau rejected it. And, and, and Jacob carried on the promise to his 12 sons that he's blessing now. And we see Judah, all of it pointing towards Jesus. 
But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just end with Jesus. It is then poured out on those who would receive him and trust him by faith. And we become the saints that this passage is talking about. And we have an inheritance in Jesus Christ that we are heirs, not just to a promise, but the promise. The very promise that began back with a simple call of Abraham out of Ur and continues all throughout biblical history until this moment where you and I, if you're in Christ Jesus, we're the saints. And as the saints gather together, we become the church and we have all of this in Christ Jesus. This is not a blessing, it is the blessing. There is a primary blessing what we've called the promise plan and now call the gospel. And there are secondary blessings. Now, students of the Bible, look at those secondary blessings in a variety of ways. You can create different categories. You can go, you can go crazy with this. You know, you look at things like the blessings of sunshine, the blessings of marriage, the blessing of a, of a kind word. Some of these blessings are conditional and some are unconditional. And we see this in different ways throughout scripture. Take, for example, the shining of the sun. The, the sun and the gift that God gives us in it is an unconditional blessing, right? The blessing of work, right? If we work hard, there, there's something good in it for us. The blessing of work is conditional. We have to do the work, right, to receive the blessing. A, a simple example of a conditional blessing would be guidance, we can ask God for guidance. We can receive the blessing, but we only receive the blessing of guidance when we follow the guidance that's given. But I want to be very clear. The blessing, the, the, the blessing that God gave to Abraham, the blessing that we've been tracing throughout the book of Genesis, the blessing that we see in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the blessing that we saw Paul said comes to us as the saints in Christ, the blessing is always unconditional. There are no strings attached. There are no conditions. All of the conditions have been satisfied fully in Jesus. It is just like every other conditional blessing that God offers. It is a gift that we receive by faith. That we receive by faith. And that leads me to the last thing that I wanna point out is that blessing, blessing requires faith and obedience. Blessing requires faith and obedience. Now, when it comes to the blessing, the unconditional blessing and the offer that we have of new life in Jesus Christ, we can receive it unconditionally by faith. It is the obedience that actually follows. And it's a great tragedy to reverse those and say, in order to be found in Christ, in order to get right with God, I've got to be obedient. I've got to do all the right things. I've got to say all the right words. I've got to go to church enough and do enough churchy things or whatever you have in your mind, the things that you have to do to earn the blessing that's offered in Jesus Christ. You don't have to. It is yours. It is a free gift that you receive by faith. In that situation, the obedience is something that follows. You know, next week, we're going to be looking at the the depth of Jacob's passing and all that it meant. But today I just want to point out that Jacob was acting in faith. 
And that faith that he was acting in is directly tied to the promised plan of God, the blessing. And a huge part of the initial promise to Abraham, the very first part of that blessing was that he would have the land, the promised land. It was originally just called the land, but when it was promised, then that's when it became the promised land, right? And Jacob has received all sorts of blessings here at the end of Genesis, blessings from Egypt, but in all of this prosperity that has happened because Joseph was raised to be the prime minister, but it is not the blessing that God has for him. And he ends up basically pushing away from all of the blessings of Egypt and embracing by faith the promise of the land. Because he says in verse 28, all these All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each each with a blessing suitable to him. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, in the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan. That doesn't mean much to us, but it's very specific instructions. Which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah, Jacob says. The field and the cave that is in it were brought, bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. I just want to point out these simple things we see in his life, Jacob desperately in love with Rachel and therefore favoring in a tremendous way, his son, Joseph. And he spent his whole life longing to be reconnected with Joseph again. And basically in a very dangerous way, relocates to Egypt just to be with his son. But at the end of his life, we see him investing into the promise of God by faith. He is not asking to be buried by Rachel, his true love. He is not asking to be buried in Egypt with his son, Joseph. He is asking to be buried in the land of promise. Because even though his life was coming to an end, he knew that God was still working according to his promises. That he knew that God was a God who does not lie, who, who, who fulfills his promise. And when he speaks these words of truth, for example, in what he spoke through Jacob, they're going to come to pass. And he knew that the people would be back in the land of promise. at the foundation of both the primary blessing, right? The promised plan of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many of the other blessings of God is a simple truth that you and I are blessed to be a blessing. Obedience is one of those words that can create negative emotions when I talk about faith and obedience. It's one of those words that can create negative emotions. Emotions, but I want you to think of obedience as being faithful in sharing with others the blessings that God has given you. It's a simple way to think about it. Sometimes we get focused on the blessings that God has not given us, right? 
well, I, I don't have as much money as so-and-so, or I, I don't have this that somebody else has, or I wish I had that talent or, or that house or that car or that material blessing or that, that whatever we want. And we look at the blessings that we don't have, but I'd ask you to look at the blessings that you do have and then understand that God has specifically blessed you with everything that you have in order that you might be a blessing. That he fills us up that we might pour out. He fills us up that we might pour out. This is the big picture from the life of Joseph. He was blessed, right? He, he was favored by his father. Uh, he had the coat of, of colors, but then it's all stripped away and he finds himself at rock bottom, sold into slavery. He's in the pit. He goes to prison. He has nothing, but he still looks in faith to what God had promised him. And in that, God raises him up, not just for vindication, but for a purpose. Why? He blessed Joseph that Joseph might be a blessing so that he could create the storehouses of Egypt that would store up the grain in the years of plenty. And that it says, as, as the Bible specifically says, not only would feed and save the Egyptians, but literally the whole world. That he was to be a savior, that he was blessed to be a blessing. I just want to leave us with that thought. That we are not just blessed with all these spiritual blessings in Christ for no reason. We are blessed to be a blessing. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's a simple thing. Every single time you see an Amazon delivery truck, okay? You see them all the time. I want you to be like my kids and get excited. Yeah, the Amazon truck is here. And here's why. Because I want you to picture that you're driving the kingdom truck of blessing. This is what you have. You're, you're like an Amazon truck driver and you got a, a truck full of goodies and all you do is get to drive around and give blessing everywhere you go to everyone that you meet because God has filled your truck with blessing and has sent you to be a blessing. Every time you see that truck, I want you to think of your life in that way. This poem is prophecy. The, the Bible is oriented towards the future and that future is good. It's filled with blessing. This poem is blessing. There's so much blessing and goodness that God has for us. We can't even fully understand everything in the time that we have. But it, it extends not just to Jesus, but to us as his people, as the church. We are blessed to be a blessing. Blessing requires faith and obedience. Don't confuse the unconditional blessings of God with the conditional blessings of God. Understand that the blessing, the offer of new life in Jesus Christ is available to each and every one of you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And all you have to do is receive that by faith. Let's pray. Lord God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, the shepherd, the stone of salvation, the God of Jacob. We thank you for the blessing that you gave all the way back to Abraham. We thank you for the blessings that you poured out so lavishly in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the blessing of new life and eyes to see. Lord, give us the courage to be obedient in being a blessing. Encourage us to not just be a, 
uh, uh, something that's filled up, a vessel that's filled up, but that we would be faithful in pouring out. Lord, right now, bring to mind situations that will be in this week that you're calling us to bless and provide, to speak words of kindness, to, to show grace, to build up, to be generous, to help, to come alongside. Show us what you're calling us to do to be a blessing. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In the name and power of Jesus Christ.